The reading of God's word this morning begins in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. Beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. After these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and besieged the fortified cities and thought to break into them for himself. Now when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had done and that he intended to make war on Jerusalem, he decided with his officers and his warriors to cut off the supply of water from the springs which were outside the city that helped him. So many people assembled and stopped up all the springs and the stream which flowed through the region, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find abundant water? And he took courage and rebuilt all the wall that had been broken down and erected towers on it, and built another outside wall, and strengthened the millow and the city of David, and made weapons and shields in great number. And he appointed military officers over the people and gathered them to him in the square at the city gate and spoke encouragingly to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be dismayed because of the king of Assyria, nor because of all the multitude which is with him. For the one with us is greater than the one with him. With him is only an arm of flesh, but with us is Yahweh our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people relied on the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. After this, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, sent his servants to Jerusalem while he was besieging Lachish with all his forces with him, against Hezekiah, king of Judah, and against all Judah who were at Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, And what are you trusting that you are remaining in Jerusalem under siege? Is not Hezekiah misleading you to give yourselves over to die by hunger and by thirst, saying, Yahweh our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and said to Judah in Jerusalem, You shall worship before one altar, and on it you shall burn incense? Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of the lands? Were the gods of the nations of the lands able at all to deliver their land from my hand? Who was there among all the gods of the nations which my fathers utterly destroyed, who could deliver his people out of my hand, that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now therefore do not let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you like this, and do not believe him, for no god of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or from the hand of my fathers. How much less shall your God deliver you from my hand? And his servant spoke further against Yahweh God and against his servant Hezekiah. He also wrote letters to insult Yahweh, the God of Israel, and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of the lands have not delivered their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah shall not deliver his people from my hand. And they called this out with a loud voice in the language of Judah to the people of Jerusalem, who were on the wall, to frighten and terrify them, so that they might take the city. And they spoke of the God of Jerusalem as of the gods of the peoples of the earth, the work of men's hands. But King Hezekiah and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, prayed about this and cried out to heaven. And Yahweh sent an angel who destroyed every mighty warrior, commander, and officer in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned in shame to his own land. And when he had entered the temple of his God, some of his own children killed him there with the sword. So Yahweh saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others, and guided them on every side. 
And many were bringing gifts to Yahweh at Jerusalem and choice presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations thereafter. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill, and he prayed to Yahweh, and Yahweh spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah gave no return for the benefit he received, because his heart was proud, therefore wrath came on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. However, Hezekiah humbled the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of Yahweh did not come on them in the days of Hezekiah. Now Hezekiah had immense riches and honor, and he made for himself treasuries for silver, gold, precious stones, spices, shields, and all kinds of valuable articles, storehouses also for the produce of grain, wine, and oil, pens for all kinds of cattle, and sheepfolds for the flocks. And he made cities for himself and acquired flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him very great wealth. It was Hezekiah who stopped the upper outlet of the waters of the Gihon and directed them to the west side of the city of David. And Hezekiah prospered in all that he did, and even in the matter of the envoys of the rulers of Babylon, who sent to him to inquire of the wonder that had happened in the land, God left him alone only to test him, that he might know all that was in his heart. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his deeds of devotion, behold, they are written in the vision of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. So Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the upper section of the tombs of the sons of David. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem honored him at his death, and his son Manasseh became king in his place. We'll turn now to Revelation chapter 20, and read beginning in verse 7. And when the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, and the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up their dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now if you would, please turn to the back of your bulletin. We'll read together as a congregation, Isaiah chapter 38, verses 10 through 20. Isaiah 38, I said in the middle of my days I must depart. I am consigned to the gates of Sheol for the rest of my years. I said I shall not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My dwelling is plucked up and removed from me like a shepherd's tent. Like a weaver I have rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom, 
From day to night, you bring me to an end. I calmed myself until morning. Like a lion, he breaks all my bones. From day to night, you bring me to an end. Like a swallow or a crane, I chirp. I moan like a dove. My eyes are weary with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Be my pledge of safety. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and all these is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and make me live. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you had delivered my life from the pit of destruction. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol does not thank you. Death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, he thanks you as I do this day. The Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. The Lord will save me and we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. We believe in one God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate He suffered and was buried. The third day, he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, that is, universal and apostolic church, 
we affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to life in the world to come. Amen? Lord, now we come into your presence to hear from you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is authoritative. In its original autographs, it is without error. It is all that we need for life and godliness. It is what sets us apart into holiness. And so now we pray that you would sanctify us in the truth. Thy word is truth. This we pray in the grand name of Jesus. Amen. If you think about the life of Hezekiah in chapters 29 through 32, well, he is uh, aside from David and Solomon the most celebrated king in the book of Chronicles. It's interesting, however, when you work your way through Chronicles, how quickly things can change. One thing that Isaiah, excuse me, that Hezekiah said in his prayer, and God healed him, was the dead don't praise you. I want to live, and fathers teach their sons. The man who follows Hezekiah is Manasseh, one of the most celebrated evil kings in Chronicles. So we go from one who does what is right and good and faithful at the end of chapter 31, that is truth, does right and good and truth to one who reigns the longest as a king and does wickedly. And if you follow the pattern, you can see that generational faith, well, it doesn't seem to last long. If you think about, I've been reading, well, we were at the beach, and uh, I did read a little theology at the beach, but I confess, I read some spy novels. <laughs> and they were kind of set in a historical genre of evil nations and good nations. And uh, facts were given at the end of each book. I read three of them there. And uh, about the kind of slavery that's been around the world. The slavery in the United States in numbers is minimal compared to other nations and what people like Stalin did enslaving people 
and working them so hard in frigid temperatures that they died. And we see all that as evil. We have no problem seeing that as evil. We know that's wrong. They say that in the Second World War between civilians and uh, military people, 80 to 100 million people died. There's a war going on in the United States, and we're considered civilized. And uh, in 50 years, hmm, maybe 100 million babies have been killed. Our president is evil. Because he sanctions the murder of babies. He's an evil man. But he's considered civilized, and he's considered a man of faith. And so you see how things can get very mixed up. As we think about Hezekiah, and we consider him a good king, he has a fatal flaw, but God is gracious with him in his fatal flaw. And he used him mightily. And the nation learned a lot through him, but apparently his son learned nothing through him. When a baby is aborted, there are three or four people guilty of the murder. The foremost guilty person is the one who sent his seed into the sanctuary and created a child. It's his child. This idea that a woman's body is her own to do anything she wants with is born of demons. The man who impregnates a woman has a child. And suddenly, he's the head of a house, and he's responsible. And if he lets his significant other, his prostitute, his wife, his whatever, kill that child, he is responsible. So if there have been, I don't know how many there have been. I, I, I tried to ask my girlfriend this morning how many abortions had been in the United States since Roe v. Wade, and she wouldn't answer that question. But when I asked her how many people died in the Second World War, she was happy to answer that question. I think that tells you something, doesn't it? So I bring that up because as we evaluate kings, we're not a lot different. Hezekiah is a man who does the thing that Chronicles calls you to do, 
does the thing that the Lord Jesus Christ calls us to do. And that is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. There's no greater priority. The treachery in the book of Chronicles is when one doesn't seek the Lord, but seeks something else. We live in a culture, even a Christian culture, that can say, I trust Jesus, but seeks something else. So we justify murder for the sake of sexual pleasure. We justify murder for what is now called mental health. We live in troubled times. Turn if you would. You don't know where I'm going today. Maybe that's because I don't. Turn if you would to 2 Timothy chapter 3. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. And men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, uh, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious uh, gossips, without self-control, brutal, brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they deny its power. Now, we're coming to Hezekiah, if I can wrap this all around. But I want you to notice, this is in the last days. So, you sweep your hand around the United States and you say, well, this culture's really fallen in the last 50 years or 100 years. Yeah, it has. From that, some people think we're in the last days. Now, you tell me what age after Adam fell that didn't have this. God destroyed the first creation because all he saw was inventors of evil. It hasn't changed. So, Paul, of course, is not stupid. He knows it hasn't changed. And he's not talking about the world at large because as Paul notes in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if you're going to get away from these kind of people, which he says don't associate with them, you'd have to go out of the world. You can't do that. No, he's talking about the latter days, whatever he means by the last days, 
He's not talking about just the man down the street, your next door neighbor. He's talking about the person who claims godliness. So, I'd love to get off on this because you know it's one of my hobby horses, but I just want to say two more things about this. The last days, Hebrews chapter 1 says, God spoke to his people through the prophets and in many fashions and in many ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. Now, if you just work your way through the book of Hebrews, you know you're not talking about something that lies in the future because then in chapter 10 we read it so often when you see the day drawing near encourage one another as you see the day drawing near well Hebrews was written to a group of people who were undergoing a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and masses of them were falling away tell them not to do that we're in the last days and they're becoming like Timothy here what Paul says in Timothy. Well, Hezekiah isn't that kind of person. And Hezekiah it does something quite remarkable in chapter 32 of Second Chronicles. And I just want to read to you. I, I can't hardly read today, so I'm not going to try to read a lot. But notice in verse 6, it says... And he appointed military officers over the people and gathered them to him in the square at the city gate. And he spoke encouragingly to them, saying... Now, this word, encouragingly, uh, I'm reading the numeric standard here. I think. I forgot which one I brought. But it's not... It's not like, okay, I'm going to encourage you to smile today. It's a word that means heart. He spoke to them from the heart. And so if you translate that into today's vernacular, he spoke passionately. Okay? So this king of Assyria, Sennacherib, who has already carted off the northern tribes and is now beginning to possess their land, who by his own statements in verses 9 and following has dropped kingdom after kingdom after kingdom, is now coming into Judah and he's going for the fortified cities and now he's going to be on his way to Jerusalem. So what Hezekiah does is he patches up the wall. And he puts another wall around that wall, so now there's two walls, and he puts towers on the walls so they can watch and, I suppose, shoot from the towers. And he and his officials and all the people, they say, hey, we got water here, and here's coming a big, massive army. We don't need to supply them with water. So they go outside the walls, and they stop up the springs. It's like wells that are dug and you fill them back up. So when they come, <laughs> they'll be thirsty. Where are they going to get water? 
but he speaks from the heart to these people, the people in Jerusalem. Be strong and courageous. Ah, you've seen those words before, haven't you? Way back with Joshua. Do not fear or be dismayed because of the king of Assyria, nor because of all the multitude which is with him. For the one with us is greater than the one with him. With him is an arm of flesh. But with us is Yahweh our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people relied on the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. This word relied is used one other time in Second Chronicles. It's used back in, in chapter 29. And it's when all the offerings were brought out, when they were sanctifying the temple, trying to get it up to snuff again so it could be used. And so they sacrificed sin offerings and burnt offerings. And when the burnt sin offerings were brought out, they leaned on them. That's the word. They leaned on them. And if you read the book of Leviticus, and if you read Exodus chapters 28 and 29, you'll see this word repeatedly. It's a visual way of showing a transfer and a trust. And so this great king, the one whose name means Yahweh strengthens, has the ability to say something that is just unbelievable. This man's been marching all around, subduing different nations. And now he's coming and he says, Hey, don't fear, don't be dismayed. Because the one with us is stronger than the one with him. He's just an arm of flesh, just a man. But our, the one with us, is Yahweh, our God. And the people relied. Okay, so what's going to happen is God's going to fight for them. By the time you come to the end, it, it, looks, it looks like it's not going to be good. This is just an abbreviated form here in 2 Chronicles. If you look at 2 Kings chapter 18, you'll see a longer form. If you look at Isaiah chapter 36 and 37, you'll see a longer form where they march up and they talk to the people on the wall and so forth. And there are 185,000 troops surrounding Jerusalem. Now, the reason I brought up the last day. Thursday, Ben reminded us at the beach in the morning prayer 
that it was the church calendar day for ascension. We don't have church on ascension day because it comes 40 days after the resurrection. We have church on Pentecost, which comes 50 days after the resurrection. But Ascension Day, unless you're in a different kind of church, you know, people don't tend to gather for it. But it does need to be remembered. And what happened on Ascension Day is the disciples watched Jesus go up into a cloud. And what did he do? He went up and he sat down at the right hand of power. And he was inaugurated as king. And a king has a kingdom. And his kingdom started out a little bit small. It had 12 apostles. And it had 500 people in a group. But it was a kingdom. And that kingdom began to grow and grow. And uh, the New Testament keeps reminding them the last day is coming. The last day is coming. Don't fall away. It's going to be hard. Like what happened to Hezekiah. You're going to want to run and be afraid. But don't run and be afraid. Stick in. Hang in there. Lean on the Lord. Well, we're coming in times where we're going to pay a cost to be a Christian. We're beginning to pay that cost. And we need passion and leaning on the Lord to say, hey, we're not taking this stuff. Which means we'll have to press on right in the middle of the persecution. And some people sitting in this room may lose their lives over that persecution. I don't think it's coming so quick that it'll be some of us old codgers. Our days are numbered, but, you know. And so... I want us to see what Hezekiah did is just, is, is just something. He spoke the truth. How many of us believe that truth? Now, I, I think we've been a little politicized. Where we think more guns, more nukes, more all this, more this. That's how we'll gain the victory. No, we will not gain the victory that way. He who lives by the sword dies by the sword. We live by the word of God. Be strong. Be courageous. The word courageous here means the truth. Believe the truth. Hezekiah was quite something. So here comes all the troops. And the, the officers, and they're, you know, chatting it up with the people on the wall. And, you know, they, they, they don't battle quite like we do today. So they can still talk to each other from a distance. And there's no, no, uh, no arrows shot yet. But the threat's there. And here comes someone speaking in the name of Sennacherib and saying, Hey, what's with you guys? Are you letting this King Hezekiah seduce you, deceive you, mislead you? 
telling you that your God can defeat me? Look around. All the gods of the nations, not one of them has defeated me. What makes you think he can defeat me? And then they insult him. They put him on the level of a God made by human hands. Here stands a statue, a Dagon, and somebody says, Ah, oh, that's God. No. No. You can't see this God. You go to a false god's temple and there's an idol there. You go to God's temple in the Old Testament and there's nothing there except the name of the Lord. And that name of the Lord is representing a God who made the universe, a God who destroyed the earth with a flood a God who sends tsunamis that destroys 200,000 people. That's happened a few years back in Indonesia. A God who sends hurricanes that destroys people. And why shouldn't they be destroyed? After all, you go down there to Louisiana and to that city, and it's nothing but a sin city. Why not a hurricane? Well, you and I aren't in charge of that. And it's true, believers are killed in the same fashion, but we have to remember, this God, it's not an arm of flesh. Right now you can't see him, but he's all-powerful. And in the case of Sennacherib with his officials insulting and belittling this God, God is going to have enough of it. And when Christians finally rise up and say with all their might, not being wishy-washy and not moving the way of the culture that Jesus is Lord and Biden is not, then maybe we'll see some action. Now, we're not, of course, looking for the destruction of the wicked we want them to be destroyed insofar as the old man dies and the new man comes to life. But one cannot just say, hey, God, you know, I'll be God, which is exactly what Adam and Eve did. Eve was deceived, and she looked at the tree, and it looked good, and it was useful for fruit, and it was desirable to make one wise like God. Ah, oh, I'll be like God. And then I'm standing back watching his wife do all of this. And the world was plunged into sin. And what was that? Well, it was pride. Every sin, well, I can't quite say it that way. Conscious sin comes from pride. I know what God says. But I think I know better. I know what God says, that this will harm me. But I think I know better. It will help me. I know what God says, but I know better than God. Yahweh 
strengthens. That's what the church in the United States needs right now, a strengthening to stand up and say, no, uh, we're not going to put up with this anymore. We're going to stand up and we're going to say it out loud and we're going to say, you know what? If you were made with a female body, you are flat female. And if you deny it, you are an abomination to God. Is that what the scriptures say? We need to strengthen up. We're not ready for the fight that God is bringing to us. And he wants us to be prepared for it. No, we're a bit more like, hey, yeah, life is good. Give me all the pleasure. No, don't misunderstand. The Bible is not against pleasure. But Hezekiah is so great because he seeks the Lord in commandment and law at the end of the last chapter. He seeks the Lord. And he doesn't go out and say, Oh, look at that law. Ah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're in the New Covenant. That law has nothing to do with me, which is a bunch of hogwash and baloney. Because it says, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Judah and with the house of Israel, and I'll write my laws in their heart, and I'll put them in their head. What laws? Some new law? No, the same law. Does it have some modifications? Sure it does. But it's the same law. And so over here, when it says homosexuality is an abomination, it doesn't suddenly become acceptable, as some churches are beginning to say. And over here, where it says, hey, you know, I, I got a male body, but I really feel female, that's an abomination, as God's Word says. It doesn't suddenly, over here in the New Covenant, become acceptable. It just isn't so. That's why Hezekiah is great. Be strong. Be of the truth. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. And what did the people do? They took the word of Hezekiah, which is a word that came from God, just like happens with you when you open your mouth in truth. It's a word from God. And they leaned right there on Hezekiah's word. And so then they put up with all this mocking and this ridicule about Sennacherib, who thinks he's better than God. And finally, Hezekiah and Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard them in 185,000 men lost their life in one night. And Sennacherib scrambled back home in shame. All that boasting, all that boasting, and it comes to nothing because he's just flesh, just an arm of flesh. And so what's he do? This is the humor of the story. He goes back home, and he goes into his temple where he's got a god there. 
And his God can't even protect him from his own sons. They slay him. Now, you tell me, who's God? Why, what do we say? Jesus is Lord. And he has ascended on high. And you can't see him right now. But he's sitting at the right hand of the Father in a tabernacle that's made without hands. And he is reigning and ruling. And he's watching what goes on. And he is going to return to this earth one day and live here with you and me and we will be in resurrected bodies. But right now, you can't see him and we have to believe. You know, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he was in the Old Testament, he hasn't changed in the New Testament. Well, I take that back. There's been one change. We say God is immutable. Well, God is immutable. But there's been one change. He became one of us. And he's the word of God. And he came down for us and for our salvation. And he's the message. And the message is the lamb that takes away the sin of the world, and we lean on that, don't we? That's what we lean on. That's something to ignore. So, that's the end of that little pericope in chapter 32. And... We're not quite sure how the order of events goes, but we have a couple other things to consider just quickly. Well, of course, if you, if you think at 29, we're talking about the temple where God dwells. If you think about chapter 30, we're talking about Jerusalem where we have the Passover, and Jerusalem is cleaned up. If you talk about chapter 31, we're moving out from Jerusalem into all of Judea and beyond into the north country where we're destroying idolatry. And then you come to chapter 32, and what happens? You move out into the nations because they've all heard about this, and they're coming like they came for Solomon to give gifts. And this man, Hezekiah, becomes very rich and expands his storehouses and becomes richer and richer. But it just so happened in those days that he became sick. Now, who's in charge of sickness? Not the CDC. God is. It doesn't just happen by accident. When you're laid up in a bed because you got a flu shot, God did it. When Moses was trying to resist God's call and saying, hey, I'm not eloquent in speech, which of course he really was, God said, who made man's mouth 
Who made the dumb and the deaf and the blind and the seen? Is it not I, Yahweh? Every person across this globe made in the image of God has God's image stamped on them and he made them physically the way he wanted to make them and he made them mentally the way he wanted to make them and then he says, okay, live for my glory. You don't get to choose. He gets sick. <laughs> he's, well, he's only 39. You know that from Kings and Isaiah. And Isaiah comes in and says, hey, get your house in order. You're going to die. And he is depressed, puts his face to the wall and prays to God and says, God, remember I've been faithful to you. I did this, this, and this. Of course, faithfulness does not preserve your life. When God calls, you might be 25, and he calls, and you've been faithful. But he's reminding God, I have sought you. And he wept bitterly. And Isaiah came back and said, okay. God's going to heal you. Here's the sign. The shadow's going to go back up the stairs. And then our text tells us that he didn't make a proper return to the Lord. His heart had grown proud. Pride is an abomination to the Lord, according to Proverbs 16, verse 7. And it will certainly be punished. The problem is, everybody in this room can say, well, you know, not me, I'm not proud. Every time I get angry, most of my anger is not what I'd call righteous indignation. And if you say yours is, come and teach me some lessons, okay? But when I get angry, it's because I'm proud. I want my way. I know what's best. It's an awful thing. Because God is going to have his way. We can resist. We can even blame him. We can even just make a big stink about it. But in the end, pride according to Proverbs 16, will not go unpunished. Well, the interesting thing is something happened. We're not told what happened. And Isaiah humbled himself. Isaiah, Hezekiah, and since he's the head of the nation, the whole nation is, oh, bound up with him because it's a one-body group of people. Just as when our government does something, we're bound up with them. And when the world hates what our government or president does, that's why they hate us then. But Hezekiah humbled himself and removed the pride of his heart, and so did the people. Well, here's the thing. 
he was tested when it came to the envoys from, uh, from Babylon. It's just briefly mentioned in Second Chronicles. Chapter 39 of Isaiah is all about that. And they come down because they'd heard he'd been healed and they wanted to find out about this sign. And what did he do? Well, here's this very rich king, and like Solomon, all these people, because of his healing and because of what God did to Sennacherib, they're coming around and giving him gifts, and he's just growing in wealth and wealth, and he's building bigger barns to put all that stuff in, and he's building more weapons, and he shows it to his future captors. Well, even in that manner, God left him alone. But what was it? Pride. Pride. So there's one simple thing about all of us. It's stated by Paul to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I think it is verse 7. Because you know that church, a very boastful church about their gifts, what they can do. Their tongues, their prophecy, their gifts of healing, all that stuff. They're so proud. And Paul says, if you received it, how can you boast about it? Okay, so in this room, we're all made different. And some people in this room are really smart. And some of the rest of us, you know, we're just, we're, we're, we're just shy of, of a full load. We're missing something. And God made us that way. So, our time's up. But I have to say one more thing. And that's this. God mightily used Hezekiah. He made his life hard at times, but he mightily used him with the people. And he has an approbation in the scriptures that few kings get. But it's all because of God. And so, you know, we have this body of believers here and we're supposed to be just tightly knit together, growing in oneness, and we come a lot different and not even all of our beliefs are quite the same. We all believe that Jesus is the Lord. We all believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's all good, but we're growing together. We're learning. And, you know, who, who knows, you know, how, how closer we'll get. But the way God made us is the way he wants us in this body. Aside from our sin, we've got to put that aside. That's Hezekiah. Yahweh strength. Stand with me. Father, we can look around in our culture and our time and in the, the church that bears your name and we can see there's trouble afoot. And we also know even though men are culpable and responsible and full of sin, still you are in charge and you're doing just what you want to do with your people. 
And we need to be strong and courageous. We need to be bumped up in our faith. We need to lean more, accept your word more, put up with each other more, be brought together as one even more, ready for the fight that we can see coming. Not a fight with guns and fists, but a fight with truth. Make us into lovers of the truth. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen.